0: A couple of reminders from this morning, and some of you weren't here this morning, so it's first time for you. Uh, We talked about Know Your Bible this morning, Know Your Bible Sunday, handed out the handouts. There's still plenty back there, I think, with a pledge form inside. Appreciate if you are interested in doing that, that you do so quickly, so we can wrap that up and know where we are. Have any questions about that, be sure and ask. And the second thing is next Sunday is Harvest Sunday, the day we fill the stage up, see how much we can get on it for Carpenter Place. If you haven't been through that before, there's a list, I believe, of all the things that the folks at Carpenter Place need back in the activity corner. You pick that up and just go spend yourself silly at Sam's or Walmart or somewhere just you get cars full trucks full bring it all here, and we'll supply Carpenter Place for quite a while. All righty, we are working on Sunday evenings on a topic that kind of generated itself from the Know your Bible program coincidentally over the years of getting people's questions it occurred to me that. Uh, You get an occasional person that wants some really weird, off-the-wall verse figured out, uh, and some have some really strange ideas about certain things, but in general, most people just want to know some real basic things. They just want to know what the Bible says about some of the basics of life, and so that's what we've decided to tackle this uh, year on Sunday evenings is uh, what are some of those big topics, and we've... Uh, been through a few of them. We started with uh, talking a little bit about how we can understand the Bible. We kind of lay the groundwork. And then we uh, started with the topic about the end times and the afterlife. And we spent quite a bit of time on that because there are a lot of questions about that. What happens when we die? Where do we go? What's heaven like? Uh, is there a purgatory? On and on. So we spent a lot of weeks on that. Uh, then we went to some Bible basics because a lot of people's questions have to do with that? Are there errors in the Bible? And how do you study the Bible? And then we spent the last few weeks talking about evil. Why is there evil in this world? And people ask a lot of questions about that. Why couldn't God have done it some other way where there wasn't evil in this world? Bad things shouldn't happen to good people. So that's where we've been. Tonight we start topic number five, uh, which is questions about creation uh might be more accurately called questions about the origin of man, because some people don't believe it was created, uh, but it's what the Bible says. And the kind of questions that people ask about that, uh, I'll put a, just a few of them down here, is the Genesis account, is that true or false? Is that really true what happened, or is it just a fable? Is it kind of a myth that God used to to relate uh, how the world got here. Uh, is it true or false? Uh, how old is the earth? Uh, argue about that. and People want to know and send in questions and give us all kinds of proof that it's this old or that old. And The scientists say it's billions, and some people say it's a whole lot younger than that. Uh, we get a lot of questions. People want to know about the six days of creation. Are those really 24-hour days? Uh, or, or could they be eons? Could God just be talking in symbols there, and a day is like a thousand years to Him? So maybe it's six eons instead of six 24-hour periods. A lot of people want to know where the dinosaurs fit in. Where, where are the cavemen? We don't see those in the Bible. What, what do you say about that? Well, some of those are really good questions. Actually, all of them. If, Viewer has that question and wants to know it's a good question. Uh, and common people out there, lots of people that have a respect for the Bible but don't know much about it, wonder about those things. We ought to have an answer. We ought to be able to uh, give them some information. Doesn't mean we got to be Ph.D. scholars on everything that we've talked about this year, but we ought to have a basic enough understanding that we can explain it to people Uh, and not only explain it to folks that ask, but I think it's also important that we understand this. Because if we don't understand what's behind this, uh, it's really strange to see how the world deals with some of this. Why is it such a heated discussion? Uh, Why do people get so excited about this when it comes up for instance, if you read the news at all, uh, over the past few years, you read a number of things about school textbooks and what's taught in school. And and when that gets to, I think Colorado's in the middle of it right now, I think. Uh, I remember the last thing I read. Texas went through it a couple of years ago. Uh, Kansas had our bout where we were ridiculed by the nation for even talking about it. Uh, but... You see that in the news. And if you don't know why, you think, well, why is everybody so excited about this? You know, some folks say, well, in science, we ought to teach that maybe God did create things. And the world goes nuts. I mean, it just it's out of all proportion to what you think you might get when you bring up something like that. So if you don't understand the background to it, if we don't understand the background, we may not understand why people get so heated up about this thing. So that's kind of what we're going to work on tonight is just understanding why. Why do we study this? Why are we spending time on Sunday evening to even talk about this thing? And then next week we'll talk a little bit about uh, evolution itself, some of the uh, clear flaws in it that we ought to have an understanding of. Okay, why study this? Why, why does it matter that how we got here? Uh, can't we just believe in God and go on about it? Uh, he got us here somehow. Uh, that'll be all right. Well, it's a little deeper than that, perhaps. Uh, so let me put it this way. At one level, it doesn't really matter. At one level, it doesn't matter what you know about this or think about this or whether you even know anything about it. Now, my my reasoning for that, and I go back to this test a lot myself. It's kind of the the Ethiopian eunuch test. Uh, I figure Philip spent maybe an hour or two with him. I don't know. Maybe all day. But he told him about Jesus, and he baptized him, and he sent him home. Now I ask myself, how much did Philip? I mean, how much did the eunuch understand about some of the things we argue about? Yeah, you know, he didn't know anything about them. Okay, well, do you think he got to heaven? Yeah, I think he probably made it. Yeah, you know, so that's kind of my Ethiopian eunuch test is. Could you convert somebody? Could you you tell them about Jesus? Could you, you baptize them into Christ, give them the basics, back when there weren't scriptures, by the way, and send them on their way rejoicing and expect them to get to heaven? I think so. So in that sense, a lot of the things we talk about, I mean, they're important for us to talk about and to know and to study and all that, but... They're not all that important. The basic is what's important. And we get stirred up about a lot of things. So in one sense, I believe I could find somebody in the world somewhere, teach them about Jesus, baptize them, uh, and they spend the rest of their life praising God and Jesus and all that, and never enter their head about Genesis. Genesis how we got here. They might not even have an Old Testament. I think they'd be all right. So when I think at that level, I say, well, in one sense, it doesn't really matter. But at another level, and this is where we are, we're in a world that fights about this all the time, Uh, and some of us are more in it than others. The young folks sitting down here are right in the midst of it. So I think it's more important that they know some of this stuff we're going to talk about, Uh, because at the level that we're going to deal with it, it's the very foundation of a belief in God. And some of you may say, well, that's a little stout, (laughs) It's a little heavy. You mean I, I can't have some other ideas about evolution and how we got here, and maybe it was six eons and all of that? We'll talk about that, but the discussion of the origin of man, the discussion of how we got here, that's the foundation of the very belief in God. Listen why. Read Romans with me. Romans chapter 1, I just put a couple of the verses on the handout. I'm going to read a few more to you. I'm going to read from Romans 1, uh, verse 18, I think. Let's start there. Okay, Paul's talking about the shape the world had got into and wicked people and all that. He says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Okay. he's talking about wicked people here. The wicked in the world and how they got there. And he said, here's where he starts with it. He says, they suppress their tr- the truth. They won't admit the truth. But God has made it plain to them. They know it's true because it's plain to them. And it's plain to them because God has made it. Plain to them. And here's, he goes on, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, and His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. Okay, get what he said? He said, it's plain to people that there's a God. Okay? Because God's made it plain to them. Well, how did he make it plain to them? By creation. You look at creation and it's plain to you. And you have no excuse for not knowing that there is a powerful divine being. Okay? You may not know much about him. In fact, that's really all you can learn from creation. But you look at creation, and it's plain. You, you can't help but see it. There's no excuse. That's what Paul's saying here. Let's go on. 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God, nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And although they claimed to be wise... They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal men and birds and animals and reptiles. And here we go downhill. It started with looking at creation and saying, nope, there's no God. They suppressed the truth because of their wickedness. And because of that, it just kept going downhill. Downhill. Okay? And he got into morality, and they did degrading things, and et cetera, et cetera. Verse 25, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Okay, there's the story. Paul says that's why the, the creation story, the creation account, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and on down through the creation of man. That's why that's important, because wicked people who didn't want God in their life looked at creation and denied it, replaced it with a lie, and that started them on the downhill slide. That's what Romans 1 says. Okay? Now, he said some things in here that as I read quotes, not just this week, but next week, mostly, it'll ring a bell. You'll say, whoa, that's what Paul said. That's what Romans 1's about. Okay? A lot of you in here are old enough to remember uh, Carl Sagan. He had a TV series called The Cosmos, and he was a... got famous as a scientist, and he could communicate well, and he did a good job of talking and all of that, and he was a strict non-creationist, non-God belief in the cosmos just happened by themselves. Well, what Paul is saying is that guy, as smart as he was, as wise as he seemed, at some point, he had to look at creation and say, no, nah, I'm going to deny there's a God. Okay, Even though creation doesn't let you do that, you can't do it by looking at creation unless you just deny it on purpose. Okay, And we'll get to that more next week. Here's some things Carl Sagan said. The cosmos is all that is or ever was, or ever will be. Nothing exists but atoms and the void. We are, in the most profound sense, children of the cosmos. It makes good sense to revere the sun and the stars because we are their children. But Paul knew what he was talking about or what? Paul said, these guys, as wise as they seem, they, they replaced the Creator with the creation. And they worship the creation. A very wise person, a very smart person, a very intelligent person, a very learned-in-books person, looked at the creation and said, the sun and the stars were the children of the sun and the stars. Paul says, no, you can't do that. Not possible. So that's what this whole argument comes down to. Now, if you think about it, and it's a little off track, but if you think about it, If you believe in evolution, you believe in atheistic uh, existence of man, origin of man, and all that, you can choose God. You can pick a God. You can have any God you want, as long as it's not this God. As long as it's not Jehovah. As long as it's not the God of the Bible, you can have a God. And a lot of people do that believe that. But the gods they pick are the kind of gods who don't really bother anybody. They make no ethical demands. They make no judgments about anything. As long as your god's like that, it's all right. But if you pick this god, he makes some claims about himself – that really mess things up. If you pick this God, He claims that He is the Creator and the Sustainer and the Rulemaker and the Savior and the Judge. That means He can tell you what to do. A lot of people don't like that. That's where it all comes from. People that don't want God telling them what to do came up with this lie and buy it instead of what's common sense, plain, clear. Okay? Now, and let me just say, we'll get into this more next week, but... Some of you say, well, can't you do, you said it didn't matter really. Can't I just say, okay, he, God used evolution. God still created things, but he just took millions of years to do it and all that. Isn't that all right? Well, you get into some other problems if you do that. And they're really big problems. We'll talk about them in a couple of weeks ahead, but that creates a really mess if you try to explain it that way. Okay, let's talk about how we got to the situation we're in. And the situation we're in is that Christians have a real trouble with this. Christians, a lot of them, want to say, all right, let's buy some of the scientific stuff and we'll somehow try to mix it with the Bible and we'll water down Genesis a little bit and we'll, we'll get by, all right. That's the mess we're in. Okay, let's just do a real quick history here of how we got to that situation, because not many years ago, nobody worried about that. Christians opened the book, Genesis 1.1. What did it say? Let me read it exactly here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's not, nobody stuttered when they wrote that. You know, that's really clear. That's really plain. That's, uh, it's not that hard to understand. Yeah, you know, And a few years ago, every Christian in the world read that said, yeah, that's right. Okay. Now, uh, it's a little harder to say that. Okay, let's figure out why. Okay, what I just said a minute ago about men choosing this lie because they didn't want God telling them what to do, That is not an original thought. That started year one. Actually, I don't know if it was year one or not. I don't know how long Adam and Eve behaved before the snake came and talked to Eve, and Eve said, that would be good to be God. God only told me one thing not to do, but I don't want to not do it. I want to be God. I want to be like God. If I am God, then I can tell myself what to do. Yeah, That's what the first sin was. Yeah. That's where it started. From then on, that's what man wants. It's not that tricky. Okay. So from the very beginning, and I don't know how many days or years it was before they got to that point, but I'm calling it year one, they messed up. But for thousands of years, even though man wants that, even though man wants to deny God and get him out of his life and all that, the evidence of nature is so powerful that that was impossible to do. Not impossible. Some people did it, but it was so hard to do because all the peer pressure and all the evidence and all the scientists and everybody looked at creation and said, well, of course there's a God. Because it's plain to them, and God made it plain to them. Everybody saw it. And even though they might say, I want to be God, I want to get God out of this, I don't know how to do it because you look around and it's evident there's a God. If you came up any time before the 1800s and said, you know, I've decided I don't think there is a God. All of the scientists would say, give me another answer. Because science then studied the universe because they knew God made it. They looked and they said, this is so orderly that some divine power had to make this. That's why they wanted to study it, to see how it worked and they knew there was an order there that couldn't happen any other way. So if you came up and said, well, I don't think there's a God, they said, well, you're nuts. Yeah, because there's no other option. You did look, look. Look at this physical system. Look at this chemical system. Look at this. It, it's all, it all works. Somebody had to create it. That's what science was, the study of order, trying to figure it out. Okay? But then in 1859, something happened. A guy named Darwin, Charles Darwin, was looking for a way to explain things, whether he was looking specifically to find a way to avoid God or not, I don't know, but that's where he got. He said, you know, this could happen this way. And he published his book called *The Origin of the Species*. He says, "Here's how it could have happened without a God." And he published this theory, and it was a theory that he published. And he himself had all kinds of problems with it. He said, "This theory," he didn't say it, these words, but he said, "This is pretty shaky," <laughs> you know. He said, "There's some things uh, I can't I can't explain with my theory." Okay? But his theory was that through a period, for a process of natural selection, the strongest survived, and what was good, mutations was kept by the species, and they got better and better and different and different, and that's where everything came from. Okay? And we'll talk about the details of that next week. How? Impossible that is, but but that was his theory. This could have happened. You got enough time, it might have happened. Okay? He said in his own book, he said, now there's some things, like the eyeball. He said, Man, whew, that baffles me. I have no idea how that got there. Yeah, that doesn't really work with my theory, but here's my theory. Okay. It was shaky enough theory, and it had enough holes in it then nobody really should have accepted it, in my opinion. Scientists, pure scientists, should have said, whoa, that's, that's weak. But it wasn't scientists that bought it. Well, they eventually did. It was the people that Paul's talking about in Romans 1 that said, here is a way to explain how we're here without a divine being. This is most Excellent. We have an explanation now. We can avoid the peer pressure. We can be scientifically blessed by saying this, and we don't have to deal with God. That's the only reason it was accepted as fast and as quickly as it was. There's no scientific reason to accept it. It's still a bunch of junk. If you look at it and try to think through it with common sense instead of... Religious faith in evolution. Okay, so once that happened, it didn't happen immediately, but really quickly for such a theory, science began to base all of its study on Darwin's tree of life, and that's where science went off the track. Because science is what is observed, or science was what is observed. And this isn't what is observed. This is somebody's theory. Nobody saw it happen. Nobody sees it happen today. Nobody's got any evidence of it happening. But science said, why? Because we want to get God out of this. This is the way it probably happened, and they drew their tree of life, and from then on science started making everything fit that instead of Observing things and doing repeated experiments and finding out scientifically something they could qualify, were qualified to do. Okay, so science started teaching that. Then in 1925, we had the Scopes trial, the monkey trial in Tennessee. Uh, there was a law there against teaching evolution. Yeah. Evolution got popular enough that some people made laws against teaching it because it went against what the Bible said. And the modernists decided this would be a good place to tackle this and make it a national event, and so they did. They found a teacher that had been would teach it and agree to teach it and let them arrest him and all of that. So they did. And they got two famous lawyers and they broadcast it nationally on the radio. It was big business. Religious people said, no. Creation says, I um, "In Genesis says God created the earth. Science was trying to tell us in evolution, we don't believe that. So it was a huge deal. And once they got through that, kind of a phony trial in one sense, then education began to teach evolution. That's fact. It took a few years, but all of a sudden, evolution wasn't just a theory anymore. Now it was fact. Evolution became settled science. And then humanists moved from there by teaching separation of church and state, which doesn't exist either. I mean, this is all kind of like Alice in Wonderland when you sit back and Trying to think about how it all happened. It was just crazy that we let all these steps happen, but we did. And so the separation of church and state started to be taught and followed by lawyers and everything else, which doesn't exist in the Constitution, but that's another story. It started, and so pretty soon, God got to be the theory that was unacceptable. And so then government started to eliminate anything godly or moral, because that's religious. So let's get it out of everything. We got it out of the law. We got it out of the courts. we we said you can't make decisions on moral reasons. can't bring the Bible into it. So keep that out of here. Yeah. As all this happened, pretty soon, and I don't know what the date was, but I contend that it happened sometime not too long ago, Christianity is no longer the dominant religion of the Western world. Secular humanism is. Christianity is still pretty well represented, but we don't dominate. We've lost the battle. Now, what came with all this? We got a moral catastrophe. Uh, nobody denies that. They didn't some people argue about why. But you look at just our nation, state of the family, the state of divorce, the state of crime, the state of uh, work ethic, state of everything. We're in a moral catastrophe. Place is blown up. How do we get there? Well, <laughs> go as far as you want to. Read Romans one. Study history. Put them together. You'll see it. Okay. Well, some of you probably read the, I don't want to talk about it because I don't have time, but the mess in Houston with the mayor and all of that. How many of you read about that and know about it? Yeah, pretty good bunch. The rest of you need to get out more. Anyhow, Houston's a mess. i a huge moral catastrophe. They're doing things that if you just read it, you say, nobody could do that. And nobody would even think of doing that. Well, Paul said, "Yeah, they would." When their minds get perverted like that, that's what'll happen. Yeah, Paul knew it'd happen. Yeah. Anyhow, we've got a total moral catastrophe. Now, in the middle of all that, we got Christians who believe in God. But because we are so overwhelmingly ridiculed and society is so prejudiced against anything that has to do with the creation account, if you bring it up, you're going to be called a moron or a Neanderthal or, or something, a flat earther, if you even mention it. Okay? So we got peer pressure. We're, we're afraid to say it. So we start trying to come up with some other reasons. Well, maybe science is right on this and maybe we could buy this part of it and maybe we could keep a little bit of God in here somehow and, and all that. That's the mess we're in. Okay, it, it, Just like the old fable of the king has no clothes. You know? they got a guy with common sense that still looks out at the universe that still looks at creation and says, there's a God. You can't hardly say that anymore. That's the mess for you. And back to why study this, I'm not sure this is worth, you know, having debates and creating all sorts of stuff. We, We just got to understand this and teach our kids. That's about all we got left. You know, we lost the battle in the schools and the government and education and science and everything else. We pretty well lost that battle, but we can still teach our kids. We still got some hope, perhaps. Okay, let me just spend two minutes defending what I said about humanism as the dominant. Uh, religion in this country now instead of uh, Christianity, Uh, humanism is a religion. It's got a creed, it's got the humanist manifesto, it's got a settled belief system. It's a religion. Uh, Belief in evolution is a religious thing. It's not a scientific thing. Absolutely not scientific. Can't convince me of that. It's a matter of faith. So is Christianity. It's a matter of faith. We can't scientifically prove the existence of God, and we'll talk about that more next week. But anyhow, if I put four things down there, theology, philosophy, ethics, and biology, you can tell the difference maybe by this. Uh, our theology in Christianity is theism. There is a God. In humanism, or naturalism, some people call it, secular humanism, some people call it, uh, the theology of that is atheism. There is no God. No God exists. That's what Sagan said. The cosmos is all that is or was or ever will be. There's no God. Philosophy, how, how people think about the universe and all that, is Christians are, we believe in supernatural things. We think there's the natural world, but there's something above the natural world. There's a supernatural being. What Romans 1 said, everybody can see that somebody, somewhere, has got power and is divine. You've got, you got to be supernatural to make this universe. Okay, So we believe in supernaturalism. Humanism believes in naturalism, that everything happened by nature itself. And that's what Darwin gave them a theory to explain. Why he's the hero these days? Uh, ethics: Christians believe in absolutes because God said there's absolutes, and we believe in God. If you go in a humanist system, believe in uh, no God and naturalism as your philosophy, then everything's relative. You got no absolute. There's no reason to have an absolute. The only thing you've got close to an absolute is what you agree on as a society. But if you start to think about that, well, why are we agreeing on that? I disagree with it. You've got nothing to argue from. That's why the world gets to be a moral catastrophe. I think that's wrong, what they're doing in Houston. What's their answer? Who are you to judge? Well, why, why do you think it's wrong? Well, they don't ask that. They don't care why I think it's wrong. Because they think it's right, so it makes it right. Okay? Well, there, there you go. Relativism and absolutism. Okay, and last, but biology. Uh, we believe in a special creation, that God spoke things into existence, and humanists believe in evolution. That's how biologically everything got here. Okay, so what we're going to do next week is tackle enough... Facts about evolution that you can see the flaws, that you can discuss it with somebody easily. Uh, anybody with common sense and even anybody that doesn't have common sense, you can ask them a couple of questions and you'll stump them. I don't care how smart and intelligent and book-learned they are. Uh, they can't answer because God made it plain. Okay, we'll tackle that next week. Thank you for being here tonight. The lesson is yours. If you've got anything you need to share with this family or respond to the Lord's invitation, we'd be happy to help you tonight. I'll be here at the front. Let's stand and sing.